Chats from the Blog Cabin. Your favorite podcast is here. Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know the show where I invite people into the blog cabin virtually to talk about life. And today we're chatting with my dear friend Erica. You may remember Erica. She was on the Restored for Moms panel and I asked her to come back because I haven't heard her testimony, but I know it's going to be a powerful one. So I asked her to come back and share her story. So she's going to be part of our Sunday Inspiration series so erica thank you for coming on and tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into your story yeah thanks melissa i'm really excited to to be in the virtual blog cabin um i still to this day i'm really excited to like be like i'm gonna come down and see you sometime because we're not too far but um well my name's erica and um, i'm a native north carolinian um moved away for some time but came back about you know 12 years ago, um, we started having a family. I've got two kids and a husband and two puppies now because, you know, thank you, pandemic. Um, and uh, I work full time as a sales professional in a software, software company. Um, and uh, I just, uh, I'm just excited to be here. I don't know what else you want me to say. <laughs> well, we met each other through Restored. We really got to know each other through the Bible studies. And yes. you shared part of your story through the Bible studies. So just dive into your story. Tell us about it. Yeah. So um, one of my good friends years ago um, had, uh, speaking of Restored for Moms, um, you know, as a working parent with young kids um, and as a woman of faith, you know, she really didn't have anywhere um, to to go, you know, it was always like mommy play dates during the day. And she's like, I have, I have work and my kids are in childcare. Um, and so I started going to restore for moms, just like, just to support her, just mm -hmm. to be like, you're my friend and I can meet some other mom people. I was not religious. Um, I was probably closest to being agnostic, if not atheist at the time. Um, and I started going and I started connecting to other women of like really deep faith. And then I started kind of questioning my own um, relationship with God and if there was a God and what that looked like. And so that's kind of what what's really was kind of the spark to my faith, my faith journey. Um, I was raised obviously here in, in the South um, and I was raised Jewish and, um, you know, very, very small community, especially in the South growing up, I faced a lot of anti-Semitic, um, uh, um, sort of looking for, um, you know, just people who just didn't understand, uh, the, the Jewish religion and, and what that meant. And so I'm, you know, I remember middle school, there was a kid who asked me where my horns were. And there was somebody who asked me, like, why did I kill Jesus? And do I drink the blood of babies? And th these were like things that I was like, I don't really even understand what that even means. Like I met, you know, 13, 14 year old person. Um, but, you know, I was I was raised in more of a conservative, um, uh, traditional Jewish family, but really never had a relationship with God. I was I was religious, but I don't think I was like spiritual, if that makes sense. And, you know, over the years, um, that, that distance continued to grow um, throughout, you know, high school, college, and, and even into young adulthood and as a, as a parent. And um, I just, you know, was a little confused and lost and just didn't really feel connected at all. And I think the easiest way to explain my story is God's faithfulness to us. Mm -hmm. um, we may feel like we're distanced from him, but he's never distanced mm -hmm. from us. And he's constantly putting people in our places, mm -hmm. in, like in our direction mm -hmm. um, that help guide us. And I, um, you know, there I work and I'm in business to business. And a lot of times the people that connect, 
connect with me, reach out to me, LinkedIn. There's a small online platform called Alignable. I think it's kind of like a microcosm of a LinkedIn. And I had this um, young woman reach out to me more for business purposes. And I had never been on the platform. I really never responded to any messages, no inquiries at all. And for some reason, I got this notification and I went in and I looked at the message and her name was Lauren McGee. And Lauren is actually now one of my dearest, dearest friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was about four or so years ago, I'd say. And we met for business purposes, but um, we ended up talking about God and she's a Christian. And I just started asking her questions and then we would start getting together and we'd be like, we're getting together for business purposes. But then every time I'd ask her about something and she was so kind and patient and loving towards my disbelief, my questioning. She never, I I never wanted to offend her when I was asking these questions. And then I really started asking her about Jesus and we, she just, when I think of people who are the hands and feet um, of Jesus, she is she is that person, and um, you know, guided me to go and buy a Bible and start reading. And she would send me um, you know verses, and we would do you know little readings every once in a while together. But I still kind of was just I don't know about this thing. Like I'm not really sure. I don't know if organized religion is for me. I don't know if this is just a bit, you know, ball of hoopla. And um, she encouraged me to maybe go check out a church. Um, and so I think it was the fall of, oh gosh, maybe 18. Um, another friend of mine and I um, decided to go to a local church here in, in North Carolina. It's called Church on Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's downtown. It's part of the Methodist united methodist um but i literally was like i don't know if i can go like are they gonna ask me like do i believe because i wasn't a believer at that point in time i wasn't really sure what i was doing i just kind of was following the path and the little Mm -hmm. breadcrumbs that that um were being presented to me and i you know i can look back on it now and know that that was god leading me back um home but um started going to church by myself just really, I enjoyed it. It was a little bit of self-care. You know, I'd go early Sunday morning, just me and my friend and we'd get coffee. And, um, and I, it was right before Christmas that year. I remember like it was maybe a day or two before Christmas. And, you know, I was kind of going through some stuff and was trying to like get a, get a grip on, on where to go, and what to do. And I got down on my hands and knees and I, I just said, I believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is the Lord and savior. I don't know what that means. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but God, if you could just guide me to what I'm supposed to do and where I'm supposed to go and how this is all supposed to work, I don't know. And I, I remember just this like feeling of just calm and peace and like like, you know, when you're really stressed out and you're walking around with your, your shoulders all scrunched up and you're kind of breathing and you're just tight. Mm-hmm. It was almost like I took this just deep breath of just relief and just let it all go. And I told my husband and um, he also was raised Jewish and we had been raising our kids sort of Jewish-ish. Um, more just, you know, because it was what we were supposed to do. And... Um, you know, he had always supported me going to church and like, he's like, that sounds cool. That's fine. Um, and, you know, I told him about my experience and he was like, wow, that just, how, how did that, what does that even mean? And I was like, I don't know. Um, but I feel like, I feel like I don't have to worry anymore if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, from that day, now I'm not saying it's been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're humans and we go through ups and downs, but the best analogy I can give to anyone who might be listening, who's questioning their faith or, or questioning the universe or trying to just figure it out. Um, when I was pretty much an agnostic atheist, or I, I don't know if I didn't believe in anything or if I just 
didn't know what it was. Um, the analogy was like, I felt like I was a boat in the middle of the ocean in a storm with no anchor. Like there was nothing to tie me down to the ground and be grounded. And when I kind of just professed my, my belief, it almost was like that was the anchor that I needed. Mm -hmm. There was no more worries of like, how am I a small human on this fiery ball hurling through the universe going to make a difference? And what does it all mean? And it just took me to this place of, it doesn't have to mean anything other mm -hmm. than what's your impact. And you don't have to worry about things because I've got things. That's what my message was from God. And I try every day to remember that if I can amongst all the things. Um, but it has brought me the community that I have been yearning for. Um, it has brought me closer to my own family. It has brought faith to my children and has brought my husband to be a believer too. And I can't, if not, but for God, give any other credit as to how it all happened that way. Wow, that is, that's a loaded testimony. Now, when we got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about a certain person that you mentioned earlier. <laughs> so Absolutely. here we go on our commercial. Chats from the blog cabin. Subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Hi, my name is Joanna, and I would like to share with you a little bit about Shores of Grace, Shores Philly. It's a ministry located in Philadelphia. The portion of Shores that I volunteer for goes into Kensington, an area greatly impacted by homelessness and addiction. And we go and we take love, food, clothing, snacks, conversation. Um, we believe that it is a way that we can meet people right where they are and show them the love of Jesus. Uh, we have seen lives changed in big ways and in small ways, and we have built wonderful relationships with the people in the community. Uh, we have big plans, more we'd like to do, um, and we would appreciate any support either through prayer or through donation. If you would like to donate, you can go to Shores of Grace Dot com, and in the menu, click on Donate. We just ask that you put Philly in your donation comments. Thank you. And we are back talking with Erica and I'm talking about her story. Now, I did not know this. It was so funny because it was the other day. Like one day I was going, I don't know. You know how when you look at people to see who your mutual friends are? And I'm like, and I messaged you and I'm like, how do you know Lauren? And you're like, oh, she's a very dear friend. It came out later that she had you know, led you to Jesus. But I'm like, that's my cousin. I know. My mom and my dad were brother and sister. So that was so wild. And it ended up, you went down to visit Lauren and it ended up where I messaged Lauren. I was like, yes, I love Erica. She says, how do I not, how did I not know you know her? Did I tell you we know her? I said, no. I said, this is a whole story. And that's when it came out that she had led you to Jesus. She did. Yes. Um, you know, I think, especially growing up in North Carolina, you know, you could throw a stone and hit two dozen churches, no problem. Um, and, you know, I was never, I had a lot of Christian friends. Um, I had friends that were involved in Young Life, like the youth group that was big in high school. And I always wanted to go because that's where my friends were. But, you know, my parents were very conservative and they, you know, were, were not um, as open um, and so, you know, I, I really never even questioned or even had the opportunity to ask any of my friends about Jesus and what that meant. And I think, you know, Lauren, um, again, we met and I can say serendipitously, but I, it, it's, it's a God thing, mm -hmm. um, how he connected us and we, you know, her patience and her understanding, but she's also incredibly brilliant mm -hmm. and, um, incredibly like studied um you know so so i could ask her questions and know that i was going to get an educated answer um and nothing that was sort of filtered or cookie cuttered and she just has the most beautiful heart so like also there was that and her patience with me was i think part of it 
so that I didn't feel like I was pressured or judged or any of these things. It was, she sat with me and was with me. And, you know, now as a believer and now finally through the Restored for Moms Bible study, I've never done Bible study before. Mm-hmm. I barely had read the Old Testament, you know? I mean, I knew like little blips of it, but I'm reading everything now and I'm studying and I'm feeling even actually more connected to my my Jewish background, which is really interesting mm-hmm. because of, of Jesus. And, um, you know, our church has been amazing and has connected us to some just beautiful people. And I think that's another thing about it. And it was something that was also really hard during the pandemic was, you know, we are, are built to be in community with one another mm-hmm. and being separated and not being able to physically interact and go to church together and enjoy, you know, studies together or groups. And, and um, we have this missional group at our church that we would go and do, you know, dinner and, and the kids would play and the adults would talk and it was beautiful. And so having that taken away um, was really, you know, challenging, but the Restored for Moms Bible study was something that felt like a no judgment zone, mm-hmm. uh, a place where I could learn, I could expand, I could start to understand. Um, and I don't, I don't have the background. So like, I am very much like an open, like open book. And I look at it and I'm like, well, what does that mean? And, you know, I'm not, you know, meant to say like, I question all the things, but I also just have a different perspective. I'm like, well, Jesus would have been doing this. Jesus would have been celebrating Passover um, and Rosh Hashanah and all the Jewish traditions that I love. Um, But now it has like weight and meaning to me. Um, And it all is connected. And that's just something that I felt like was such a difference um, in my faith. And so, you know, I I struggle with like being like, I'm a Christian or, you know, what am I? And I just, I'm just a believer and I love Jesus and I love what he has done for me and my family and my soul. (laughs) Um, And so I've, I've stopped worrying about what do I call me? Like, I am what I am. <laughs> now, when you sort of stepped away from the Jewish faith into the Christian faith, were there any pushback from your family at all? Um, so what's really interesting, um, I don't have a relationship with my side of the family and, and it's um, that's that's OK. So but I think had I had I, I would have probably been disowned. Um, but my husband's side of the family actually is half Christian. So his mm-hmm. dad's side of the family, his dad was Presbyterian and his grandparents um, were, I mean, they're probably the most beautiful human beings that I've ever known. I didn't know my husband's grandmother, but from what I've heard stories from my husband, um, she just was salt and light and love and they love Jesus. But I do remember um, we used to go to my husband's grandfather's um, house. They lived in Eastern Pennsylvania on the Delaware river. It was an old like farmhouse and there was Jesus above the fireplace, you know, the Mm -hmm. (laughs) long hair, white robe, Jesus. Um, And my husband's dad's side of the family is all Christian. And what's been really interesting is to experience now being kind of all believers together. Um, And it's really actually brought us even closer to them, which has really been wonderful. Um, And my father-in-law had converted to Judaism, so he understands. Mm -hmm. Um, And my sister-in-law, who was also raised Jewish, happens to be Catholic now. So we... (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We've got a very diverse uh, family. And, you know, what's been really lovely is even on my mother-in-law's side of family, which is Jewish, um, no pushback, Mm. just love and an acceptance that we are, that we're happy and that we're, you know, we're at peace, I think is the big thing. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, I do know that there are a lot of people um, who might not have as supportive of a family as, as we do on that side. Um, and I'm sure again, like I said, I, if I had contact with my own side of the family, I'm sure it would be traumatic and it would have been really, really, um, painful. Um, but I didn't, I didn't do it for anyone else. Um, 
And I, I don't even think that it was, I think that had, had I still been in a relationship with my family, I don't think I would have had the capacity to listen to the messages and connect with the right people to find my way back home um, and to even have heard the message of Jesus. So again, I think that, you know, we go through trials and tribulations. I know, you know, we talk on Instagram when we post different things um, and we all go through trauma and, and heartache and pain, but if it's not to bring us somewhere better, um, that's a, that's a, that's a dark place to be, you know? Um, and I just, I just have kind of finally gotten to this place where I, I don't want to question when good things happen. Um, because I don't think that's what we're called to do. And even hearing the commercial for that beautiful nonprofit up in Philadelphia, you know, that's just something that I think we're, we're asked as humans and as believers is to serve those and love those people who might not be able to love themselves, who, you know, may be considered an enemy. Um, and, you know, I know I have a lot to learn as far as logistics of the Bible and the things that it's, you know, trying to share with us. But I honestly just try to stick to like the two major things that Jesus had asked me to do, which was love your God with all of your heart and all of your might and all of your soul and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I actually had a great conversation with a friend the other day. Actually, I think it might've been Lauren. And I said, here's, here's the caveat, you know, God, God asked us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. It's contingent upon loving yourself. So if you're, if you can't love yourself, if you're not going to love yourself, then what are you going to do with your neighbors? You're going to treat them not with love. And so, you know, if we're not working on ourselves, um, then, then we can't, we can't give and we can't be, and we can't serve those. Um, and that's just something that I just, I don't want it to be overcomplicated for, for me anyways. You know, I thought, what are the simple things that he's asked us to do? And those are the two things I try to focus on. I love that. And you also do that a lot on social media too. You, you share a lot of like Ted talks on your TikTok, I know. Um, <laughs> but you, you share a lot in your stories too about things like that. So what made you decide to just branch out and share those things with people? So, I mean, I spent a lot of my life not speaking up, um, not voicing an opinion, especially if it seemed a little outside the box or if I had the perception that it might harm somebody. And what I recognized was that was actually just harming myself over and over and over again and denying the opportunity for me to say something without fear of retaliation. Um, and, and part of it is not having, you know, this connection with my family. Um, and then working on myself through therapy. Um, I did uh, a lot of like Reiki and energy healing work to kind of unbind these, um, I guess they would be more of your uh, spiritual ties mm -hmm. and, and, and things that would restrict us from becoming our own self. And again, therapy, therapy, therapy um, really helped. Um, and honestly becoming a believer and, and having my burden and my guilt and my shame completely released and erased once I embraced my love for Jesus. And, you know, one of the things, you know, we don't talk about a lot. I love Brene Brown. She talks a lot about um, shame dies when we bring like the words out, when we speak mm -hmm. the truth, that's where shame goes to die. And, if I didn't speak, if I didn't say how something made me feel, it would even be as small as like going to a restaurant pre-pandemic and they'd give you the wrong food. And I was like, it's it's fine, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, mm -hmm. it's gonna be fine. That's a small microcosm, right? But if that's, I couldn't do that. I couldn't say, hey, you know what? I asked for no blue cheese and there's blue cheese on the salad and I don't, I'm allergic to it. Um, what if it was something big? What if it was something important? So, so that was sort of small pieces of it. But then 
when I started sharing and posting things about healing and trauma, breaking generational trauma and things of that nature, the response of people from friends that were incredibly close to me to people that, you know, I, I'm, I know casually to, you know, I mean, TikTok strangers on the internet, 100% strangers Mm -hmm. on the internet. And the fact that I finally was saying something that might impact somebody else that might give them a better opportunity to heal from things we don't talk about, um, to erase the shame Mm -hmm. associated with it. Um, I mean, I've got two small kids and I want them to learn that it's important to speak your truth and just to, to be kind and to be loving, but not to shrink yourself for fear of what others may think and what others may say. And um, I did that for almost 40 years of my life. And I just, I couldn't live that. I couldn't live that way anymore. How did it feel like when you finally released all that negative emotions that you've been holding back? How did it feel for you? Terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying at first. Um, Because I grew up in a, you know, in a family that if you did speak something that wasn't uh, part of what they believed it was, I mean, I, I would be punished emotionally, you know, punished. And, and so I learned that it was better for me not to say anything. So my fear of saying something that it may harm somebody, which it 99.9% of the time doesn't harm anybody. It just harms myself. But the more I practice, the more I share, um, you know, the more it does release all of that, that burden and that guilt and that shame, and it is less overwhelming. Um, you know, I I mentioned Brene Brown before Brene Brown is like one of my go-to, um, uh, books and researchers and persons that I just think is just has helped me through my journey. But, you know, the other side of it is, is, you know, trust has to be earned by people to like hear the story. So one of the things, you know, for me to share with you is like, I trusted you Mm -hmm. um, and that we're friends and that she always said that there's this analogy of like building trust is like putting marbles into a jar. You know, when you start a relationship with somebody, your jar is empty and through their behavior and their acts of love and their kindness and their empathy, you put more marbles in that jar. Mm -hmm. And um, she's like, but that doesn't mean that that jar never can be dumped out and, (laughs) you know, emptied um, when somebody breaks that trust. But, um, you know, I, I am very cautious with the amount of, um, of my story that I do share, but if it's not me and somebody is listening to this, this conversation and this helps them and I don't even know them, I don't know their name. I don't know where they live. I don't know what they're going through, but if they listen to this and they go, Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Right. I don't feel, I don't feel so alone. Then, then cosmically, (laughs) that's why I do it. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. But each time I share a little bit more, um, or I offer some piece of advice or love or compassion or empathy, it gets a little easier. I love that. Now, I think you're an Enneagram too, correct? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am too. And that whole thing of fear of being rejected and the people pleaser and the giver, that all has to play into being terrified as well. It does. Um, but what's really interesting about the Enneagram and actually my current therapist, I'm happy to happy to say I am in therapy and it is all good. Uh, my current therapist uses the Enneagram when we're in session and it has really given me a lot more clarity on why we behave the way we behave. And one of our sessions a couple uh, weeks ago, um, she mentioned that the Enneagram isn't, that's not how we're innately born. We're not born as an Enneagram one through nine. What we develop as a result of what we lack in our childhood is the Enneagram number that we become. And I was literally like, you just blew my mind. (laughs) 
Right? Yeah. So and now I can see it. And so we so we develop um, behaviors and emotional um, attachments and and the things that we do based on what we didn't get in our in our youth. And so now we're all running around as adults. Well, all of us aged, we're running around as adults with these wounded inner children that we're trying to fix and help and do. And the Enneagram numbers are tied to it. So there's, you know, you've got your Enneagram while you're in um, stress, which are kind of your negative aspects. So a twos, when you're in stress, you go towards being very possessive, being passive aggressive, Mm -hmm. getting resentful, right? Like, you know, these are all things that I know. I was like, I heard her say these things and I was like, why are you so accurate? Um, and then there's Enneagram twos when they're at their best, right? We are, we are caregivers. We are loving. We are empathetic. We're great listeners. We love to do, we love to support and be there. And those are wonderful things. And I, for not one minute, regret having those positive aspects. But if I, you know, look at when I get into stress um, and I behave a certain way, I'm like, ooh, like that. (laughs) So um, it's been really eye-opening. And then I think it also gives you a great way to interact with with the people around you. Um, And, you know, we actually, one one time at church, our pastor, Justin, um, was doing this whole sermon and he brought up the Enneagram. And he was like, you know, how many of you guys you know, meet someone and you're like, what's your Enneagram number? And they're like, I'm a three. And you're like, of course you're a three. Uh Uh-huh. And then we put people in boxes based on what their Enneagrams are. And he's, you know, he was basically trying to say like, we're more, we're multifaceted. We're more than just our numbers, but it does give us the opportunity to look at people and understand where they, where they, you know, find their love from. And, And it's like, where they get their, you know, behavior patterns from and how do we engage with them based on that. Um, But it does, it opens up a lot of like, aha moments. Um, And especially understanding that our Enneagram numbers are developed in in childhood for the areas that we've lacked. So that's very interesting for all you Enneagram people out there, just take a deep dive into your Enneagram number and (laughs) Now there's a devotional that um, a devotional series. I forget who wrote it, but it's they cover each one of the enneagrams, oh, wow. and it's a book. And I've got the two, and it talks about how, you know, Jesus was, and like that's how you're supposed to be. But it talks about how the two can go to like the anger and resentment, but then we have to look and focus on what Jesus did. Right. And it's really great because it talks about not only your relationship with Jesus, but your relationship with others, and how you need to draw yourself back out and say, is this more self-centered or is this going toward what God wants me to do? Because a lot of the resentment and the aggression, the passive aggressiveness is when we're becoming more centered on ourselves and what, what instead of what he wants us to do. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that's, that's wonderful. I did find some of those, there's some great Instagrammers. Um, Like Mm -hmm. I think there's, um, the Enneagram Institute might be one that has more of a Christian focused um, uh, pathway. And it's, again, it also gives a lot of like, again, more grounding for, for us with Enneagram twos of, you know, when we are feeling like we're not being um, appreciated or, um, or loved in a way that we need to accept that. Um, it gives me the, I remember reading one that was saying something to the extent of like, you don't have to do and serve and be for God to love you as an Enneagram too. Yeah. You exist and God loves you and you're worthy of that just by existing. And again, as an Enneagram too, I'm literally like, but I have to do something for someone to love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it just, I ha- it's, it's probably harder for us to remember those types of things. Um, and I'm so glad that you shared that because it's hard. It is hard as someone who is a servant mm-hmm. um, that exists, that feels like their purpose is to exist to serve others. Um, and I remember this is many, 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 many years ago. My kids were really little, um, and I was going to a women's circle um, that was through the Orthodox community here. So super, like when we say like ultra Jewish religious, like 
mm-hmm. as orthodox as you can get. And the the rabbi's wife was leading it. And I remember we did a whole course on self-care and she said, you can't pour from an empty cup. And so if you're giving and giving and giving, and then all you have left are the droplets in the bottom of your cup for yourself, you cannot be the best, you know, friend, wife, mm-hmm. you know, spouse, partner, mother, sister to anybody because you are not anywhere close to serving yourself the way that you show up for others. Um, And then I even took that further. I saw something that was like, not only is it that you can't pour from an empty cup, that you have to fill your cup up so it's overflowing. And then you only give what's overflowing. Your your cup needs to always be full to the top. Wow. I never heard that one. Yeah. That one's great. (laughs) As you cue, you're drinking your water. As I cue, I drink my water. But it is, you know, I, I think I probably operate consistently half full. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm constantly tired. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, this, this COVID year, this year of pandemic of staying at home and sitting with all of our stuff um, has really opened up my eyes to, I can serve others, but I need to choose who I serve. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And there are people who are the cup drainers, is what I call them. And no matter what you do, no matter how much you give and you give and you give, they just expect more and your cup is constantly empty. Um, and so, you know, I looked at my community and my people and my circle and I was like, mm, who needs to who needs to go? Um and I did a lot of them through love, you know, I did it love for myself mm-hmm. and I've never chosen myself before. And that was hard, but sometimes if you, if you're not making that choice, um, especially in relationships and, and people who you just know, um, disappoint you all the time, hurt you, bring you pain, um, that it's, it's okay to not be in relationship with them you can love them with all your heart, but you do not have to be in communication with them. That is so true. And I love what you were talking about, how you have to let people go. I just actually recorded something for a later podcast talking about God puts people in our lives for um, different reasons and for different seasons. They weren't always, maybe some of people aren't supposed to be in our lives for our lifetime. Maybe they're only there for a specific person purpose. And then from that, once they get served that purpose, it's not like you're throwing them away, but you're like letting them go and letting them go with God's grace. Absolutely. It as an Enneagram too, that is a hard thing to do because we feel like it's our responsibility to fix people and to make things right. I am definitely like conflict averse. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't like conflict, but I, that's an episode. I'm going to listen to that one because that is something, um, you know, working through therapy and, and, you know, talking about letting go. Um, a friend of mine gifted um, the book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's Lisa. Of course. Yes. Yep. And I devoured that thing in a hot second. And one of the things, um, gosh, she said in the book, and it was like, again, another like mind blowing moment was forgiveness is mandatory. Reconciliation is optional. Mm-hmm. And she then goes in to talk about how this is applicable through the lens of being a believer and through God and what God has been asking us to do. And for anyone who's struggling with letting go and forgiveness, that is a, if you do the book on tape, oh gosh, that, that probably dates me. What is it? What do the kids listen to these days? Audible, right? (laughs) I'm, I'm so old that I had tape quarter, tape cassettes in my car. We used to listen to books on tape, (laughs) but, um, but I would highly recommend that if someone's struggling. And I would also highly recommend if you get a chance to listen to Lisa speak in person, she is an amazing speaker. The particular book you're talking about, um, I heard her speak about it before she even released it. Oh, wow. And it was all about, you know, how she had to forgive her husband for the infidelities and the addictions and everything. And you look at them now and they're back together stronger than ever, but it's, it's just an amazing story of forgiveness. And again, as a, 
I'm not a baby believer, but as a, as a new believer, um, sometimes when I read books that are very Christian focused, I don't quite understand a lot of the lingo in them because I wasn't raised in that, Mm -hmm. you know, type of community. And I didn't understand that type of language and her, this particular book was written while it does have a Christian perspective for me, it was just, it was just enough. It was just enough that it felt it was more about the human experience and and what we physically and emotionally carry when we don't forgive somebody and the burden that 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 can bring to our to our world. And I just every day I'm like, forgiveness is not optional. Reconciliation or reconciliation is optional. You know, forgiveness is mandatory. And I feel like I need to have it like tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> but it's it really does. And because that's it's not about acknowledging and saying what somebody did to me is okay. It doesn't absolve mm-hmm. them of their actions. But it's kind of like my husband always says this analogy. He's like, you know what? And I think it might have been a George Carlin thing. It was like, you know, guilt is like a bag of bricks, like carrying around a bag of bricks. You know what you can do? You can put it down and you can walk away. You don't have to carry it with you. And that's what forgiveness, I think, does. It doesn't mean that you're absolving the person or the group or the people or whatever was that harmed mm-hmm. you. It's saying, I no longer have to carry the burden of holding on to all that as I move forward. Um, and that to me is just, I'm a very visual person. I, you know, and my boat and the ocean analogy, I just, I, it, um, I have an art history background. So for me, it's like, anytime you give me a visual, I'm like, got it, got it. Well, here's another visual for you. Um, Wendy Blight actually wrote a book and I forget, I think it's called you are loved or I, Mm. I am loved. And in that visual, she talked about um, in the book, she talked about how forgiveness is like an octopus with the tentacles around your heart. And of Mm. course, you know, I had to go get an octopus so I could sit it on my desk so I can remember. But it talked about how when you don't forgive, that tentacles just keep going closer and closer and closer to your heart. And it, you just don't have room for anything else. So that's like, so there goes a great visual for you, Erica. (laughs) Absolutely. Gosh, that is, I'm just like, as you're speaking, I just see like tentacles going around Mm -hmm. the heart. Now you you keep saying you're a baby believer, but not a baby believer, but a new believer. But during our restored Bible study, you spoke with such grace about, you know, especially when we're talking about the book of Esther. Um, and you were bringing in such knowledge from the Jewish um, community that you helped other ladies in the group understand things even more. So do you think that's where your place is right now? I, I mean, I think it's for me, it's it's a little of both. It's like I get to share a perspective um, that a lot of Christians don't have the opportunity to. Again, I, I remember, um, I mean, I went to a college that had a lot of Jewish, you know, a big Jewish community, but, you know, growing up here in the South, they, sometimes I was the first Jewish person that somebody had ever met. And so, you know, there's kind of like the responsibility of being able to help people understand, you know, the differences. Um, but what I mentioned earlier is like, I mean, I had never really read the book of Esther. I had celebrated Purim, which is the religious holiday that then is the story of of um, of Esther and Mordechai and Haman, but sitting down and reading it w- with with the lens of being a believer was like reading it for the first time, and it was like a lot of like oh aha moments like hey you know we celebrated it for this reason but like no one ever told me about that I didn't realize how dark of a story this was mm-hmm. it's pretty like you know. Um, I would love to be able to offer a, an opened perspective because I, for me, it's deep. It, it's deep in my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. You know, I always thought like, well, uh, if I believe in Jesus, I'm no longer a, a Jew. And that's actually not the case. Um, and I kind of look at myself as like, if, if I were 2000 years ago, living, you know, in Israel, Galilee, whatever it was, and I met Jesus, as a Jew, and I would hear the things that he would say and the, the the stories and the messages, like I would have dropped everything and given everything up and followed him. Um, because everything that I had known up until the, 
you know, the New Testament, that was it. It ended there. Um, Judaism is a messianic religion, but at some point in time, it lost it lost that piece to it. And, you know, there's always the, well, when the Messiah comes, when the Messiah comes and becoming a believer, I'm like, he came, he came, he fulfilled, he fulfilled all the prophecies in the old Testament. And now I'm like, where did it say Jesus was coming? Like how many times were there prophecies about the Messiah and the son Mm -hmm. of God and, and this, you know, future resur- you know, future resurrection and 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 savior, um, and it's in there a lot. <laughs> it is <laughs> in the Old Testament a lot, and I love, I love that. Um, and I didn't even like. It's not my story to tell. It's my husband's, but he also is a believer now. But one of his favorite, favorite, favorite books that Lauren McGee had um, get uh, let me borrow was. Um, C.S. Lewis's book. Um, oh, why am I blank? Mere Christianity. Mm. My husband's a lawyer, and he mm. is very methodical, very logical. And I read C.S. Lewis. I read Mere Christianity. And I was like, okay, all right, this is a little deep for me. I don't know. It's fine. And my husband borrowed it, and it is to this day one of his favorite books. And it's spoke to him in a way that didn't speak to me. Um, I'm much more of the heart center. Like if I believe it, I believe it. He's mm-hmm. like, well, I gotta think about it. Then I can believe it. Um, and that, you know, again, I think we read it with such different perspectives because of the way we were raised. Um, and I think that it can deepen the experience that people have, if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian your entire life um, and you've never talked to anybody of the Jewish faith, uh, I know I'm kind of an unusual uh, person that, you know, has the has the background, but also is a believer. Um, and I just think that it's, it's for me, it's, it's enriched my experience. I love how you were talking about the different approaches you and your husband have because everybody approaches faith differently. And you, as we saw in our Bible study with restored, everybody had would take certain things from different verses that were like, wow, we would not even thought about. So everybody has a different perspective. And that's one of the things I love the most about it. I mean, part of it was just, I was just really curious um, because I had never done a Bible study before. But honestly, having we had five of them over the last year, um, you know, when when was our first one? April, you know, mm-hmm. maybe April of, of 2020. And honestly, it was something that really helped me get through the overwhelming state of the world that we were in. And it helped me feel like every week I had my girls to get together with. I had the opportunity to tap into faith where I think honestly, had I not had that, I don't know. I don't know what last year would have looked like. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Now, Erica, our time is almost up, but normally during, and I'm going to spring this on you because I didn't send this to you. Normally during the Sunday inspiration part, I ask the person that's on to say a little prayer. Would you be willing to say a little prayer? Sure. Um, okay. Gosh. Stephanie uh, Laurenti, who runs the Restore for Moms, is just so eloquent. Every time she would pray, I'd just be like, man, God just gave her that gift of, gift of prayer and gab. I just don't have that, but I will try my best. All right. Here we go. Hey. Um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory in your name. Amen. Lord, I am so grateful for this opportunity to be with Melissa in the blog cabin today, sharing my testimony. I can only say that it is for your love and that your grace that you have been able to connect us together. Um, Lord, I just ask that any of the women, men who are listening to our conversation today, who might be in a place that I was years ago, might feel like that ship in the ocean in a storm with no anchor, that you may provide them with the people that are able to 
lead them back to, to your love and to your home and that you may show them the grace and the love that you've provided to me and my family, um, that they may have a little bit of hope, that they may feel a little lighter after hearing us talk and that they might be able to go out and bless others with that light. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Erica, tell people where they can find you at. Uh, all right. So I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's a private account. So um, if, if you know me, you can follow me. But uh, if you happen to be on TikTok, um, I'm over there uh, under at, at burger underscore mama. Um, I do a lot of silly things. I do a lot of mom stuff. I do a lot of healing stuff. Um, and, uh, and y'all welcome to follow me over there and, um, and have some fun on that platform too. Erica, I want to thank you so much for coming on and being brave enough to share your story. I mean, I, I had never heard it before, but I was intrigued by it. And when I asked you, and you've been really great about sending people my way too, as well to so say, Hey, you're looking for somebody, here's somebody, here's somebody. And so I just want to thank you for just opening up your heart and having enough trust in me because trust is hard for Enneagrams twos. So um, having the trust in me with your story and sharing it with the people. It's my pleasure. And like I said, you know, if it, if it helps one other person, then like, my day is made, my year is made. So um, that's my hope. And and I just, I love how you've walked through things and are now just making such an impact um, in your interpersonal connections through these conversations. Um, I love connecting people with connect, like other people. That's like one of my strengths is like, I'm just, I love to connect people. So um, I I just am really honored that, that you thought of me. And it was, um, a lot less scary than I thought to share my testimony. <laughs> See, now you shared it. Now you can share it again and again and again. It gets easier when you right. share it. That's right. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Melissa. You are welcome, Erica. So, guys, I'm going to um, drop in the show notes all the books we talked about because I've been taking notes, as well as Erica's TikTok handle. So you can go follow her over on TikTok. And uh, also the previous episode you were on, I will drop that in the note as well, because you get to know a little bit more about Erica in that episode as well. Yeah. And as always, be blessed. And most importantly, keep chatting. Bye. Bye. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now.